You are listening to Ball Side Goal Side, putting coaches in a better position. Hosted by Ed Heberling and Eric Dabransky. If you enjoy our show, please follow and subscribe to our weekly podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Anchor FM. Also, follow us on social media on Twitter at ball underscore goal underscore side and on Instagram on ball side goal side. Welcome back to ball side goal side. This is Ed Heberling. I'm joined by Eric Dabransky. Eric, how you doing today? Doing fantastic. Doing great. Very glad we can catch up this week. Uh, I have a really great guest today. So uh, looking forward to, uh, to kind of picking some information off of him and, and really kind of diving into to, you know youth development. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. We're going to have uh, Jeff Ginn. He's the uh, Northern Utah United uh, Director of Coaching up here in uh, Logan, Utah. Oversees a, a, a pretty big club up here, the biggest club uh, in, the, in the Valley up here. Um, he's got varied experience, but his passion is with youth, uh, youth development and youth, uh, youth coaching. He does do some um, USSF uh, coaching education courses as well. Um, you know, and, and that kind of falls in line with his passions. It's going to be a good talk. I think you'll really enjoy uh, speaking with him and kind of picking his brain, like you said, and, and learning um, a little bit about how he does things and what he does. And, and I think at this point in time with uh, social distancing and the lack of being able to work with uh, the players, maybe he can give us some tips and some uh, uh, ideas on how we can further uh, enhance our training sessions uh, for our kids that we can actually have contact with. Yeah, I mean, Jeff has such a wide variety of experience. It's such, it's such a, you know, a fascinating um, resume. And it's something that, you know, Ed, obviously, when you and I got into coaching, I think everybody has an idea when they get into coaching of what avenue they really want to get into, whether it's youth coaching, high school coaching, club coaching, college coaching, uh, obviously pursuing a professional coaching career, whatever it is, I think everybody kind of has a uh, an, an interest immediately. And then once you get into coaching, I think people start to develop their their passion, you know, and, and their, their passion for, for what avenue they want to continue in and, and really um, pursue. And, and it's fascinating. And I've always been interested to speak with, with youth coaches because I think everybody thinks the, I mean, obviously the glamour and, and the, you know, the, the aspect of coaching professionally is always going to be there in terms of everybody. I think that's like everybody's kind of quote unquote goal. But when you think about it, a lot of these kids that, that I mean, again, when he the destination soccer and the club that he runs, um, it's just such it's just the work that that really helps develop and set the foundation and the stage for these kids to develop and continue to grow as players. And, and it's such it's such important aspect of their their development that these coaches, um, they really have these these players um, you know, best interest in mind in terms of like how they continue to grow, what ideas they continue to develop as players. And, and for somebody like Jeff, it's just such a, I'll be definitely interested to talk to him about the, the values of, of how he continues to develop uh, youth players, but also maybe what he feels are important aspects and, and how you implement the development of youth players. Because like I said, I think um, a lot of us just want to jump to the, to the stage of, Oh, I, you know, like again, in college, we have most of these players that are, that are developed, you know, they can, they can, the, the technical ability, the things like that. Now you're just kind of developing maybe more of a tactical idea, things like that. But these players all came from somewhere. They came from a club that they got developed by, you know, really good coaches like Jeff and, and really good youth coaches. And, uh, and like I said, I, I definitely um, appreciate their, uh, their view of it. And I really appreciate youth coaches a lot. And I think it's something that, that sometimes gets um, gets overseen in terms of that development part of it, that age group. Yeah, it's 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 one of those that um, I have a, a new respect for coaches at that level. Um, happened to help out Je- uh, Jeff a few times and, and happened to you know do some trainings in here with the younger ages. Um, it does take a special personality and, and a, a special understanding to really be able to work with those kids, develop them and challenge them. Um, and and, you know, it it has given me new respect for these youth coaches and, and um, the success they're able to find. So I, I look forward to talking to, to um, Gan here today. Um, you know, like you said, he's got a varied background. He started out, uh, you know, club and then he moved into small college soccer and, and kind of worked his way up. We worked in the RSL organization and then 
Um, found that his passion, like I said, is his youth coaching. So now he's the, the DOC up here at Northern Utah United. And, uh, you know, I think he's, he's doing successful things and he's, he's doing the right things and trying to develop the kids. And I, I really look forward to having you hear from him. Um, I get to speak with him often, but, uh, and having our listeners learn from him and, and get some further insight. All right, back here on Ballside Goalside. Uh, today's guest is Jeff Ginn, the Director of Coaching for Northern Utah United in Logan, Utah. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for the invite. No worries. Appreciate you coming on here and talking to us a bit today. Uh, Eric and I are really excited to talk about uh, youth development and, um, and get your take on it. Uh, you have a varied background. Uh, you've done a little bit of everything from uh, youth to college to pro, um, but I want to give you a bit to for, for you to tell us a bit about yourself, uh, your own story. All right. Um, I grew up in Southern California, uh, played soccer. The first time I acknowledged being around the ball is about three years old. And uh, I was not the kid that got to play club soccer for various reasons, but I was an all-star playing AYSO soccer in the 80s, 90s, I loved it, and, uh, you know, it wasn't something that I dreamt about being involved with afterwards. Um, after playing, I played high school soccer. I was a goalkeeper in high school, my junior, senior, and uh, throughout college. Um, I was a field player up until then. Um, from there, uh, I went to college at Utah Valley State College, which is now Utah Valley University. And my brother was going to that school. I came up and uh, he, he basically said, hey, why don't you come up early? And they have a club soccer team. Why don't you come and try out? And so I, I came up two weeks early, acclimated to the elevation, got into playing uh, for Utah Valley. It was fun. It was where I created my social uh, network when I moved up here. All my buddies were there. We all keep in touch still. Um, in that process, my fam my mom was from the Utah, so that's kind of the connection. In the process, my aunt asked me and my older brother to coach our niece and nephew that were 11 and 12 years old, and so we coached rec soccer for one season. Um, I actually went on a church mission to North Carolina, and uh, I actually got to coach a high school team out there. It was just really random. We That's a whole nother story um, in the process of me being gone in North Carolina for two years my brother continued to coach and got into a club the, a, a club called Celtic Storm Soccer Club which is now uh, Celtic and Rangers um, started and he was one of the first coaches in that club anyway I came home he threw me in an E license and a D license and I had a U17 girls team and I I was going from playing my college time, you know, college sessions. I had a notebook on, on my goalpost and I'd write down the sessions that we were watching. Cause as you all know, goalkeepers basically sit there and watch and until all of a sudden they're getting, until they're getting pelted on. Um, so I would write down the sessions and I'd go run those same sessions with my 17 year old girls team. And then eventually with my high, girls high school team. Anyway, the fascination for me was I had played soccer for nearly 20 years at this point, and I had never been taught this other point of view, which was from the coaching side, tactics and systems and so on and so forth. And this, this, this rush of excitement of under, uh, learning something new and being able to share it with others took me over. Um, Long story short, I coached four years of girls' high school soccer, uh, four, five, six years of club soccer there in Orem, Utah. And then uh, that led me to coach at a four-year school, an NAI school called William Penn for one fall, where I caught the eye of a coach that started a junior college program at Iowa Western Community College. Um, he hired me to be as an assistant and kind of do the soccer things. He's, he's a brilliant recruiter. Um, we were there for four years coaching the men and the women from a brand new program. The women were national runner ups two years in a row. The men broke into the top 15, their second or third year. I can't recall. 
And in that process, in those four years, I decided I wanted to move back to Utah, uh, came back to northern Utah, which is where I'm at now, and started or took over an old club called Soccer Academy. And uh, we, we revamped it. We changed the philosophy, turned that to, to a club called Infinity Soccer Club. Um, I was there for seven years, and I was very lucky to be at the right place in the right time to catch the eye of the president of Real Salt Lake, which was Bill Manning at the time. And he invited me to come be a goalkeeper coach for what was then the U12 RSL team. And it wasn't, this was pre-DA, pre-academy. It was just a team that his son technically played on and he was creating an environment for his son and and some kids in the state. And uh, from that process, uh, he liked me. He liked my effort. I was driving down an hour and a half to run a 30 minute goalkeeper session and then stay with their next hour. Um, at that same time, lucky um, the real monarchs was introduced to uh, real salt Lake in Utah. And Bill Manning suggested that I go down and meet with Freddie Juarez, who was picked to be the head coach, the first head coach of, um, the Monarchs and I went down there for a week and they put me through the grinder. I, that, that was a pretty intense <laughs> environment at the Academy. Uh, Martin has, a, has runs a tight ship. Anyone that knows him knows how intense that that environment is. And they really never gave me any indication if I was doing good, bad, if they liked me, nothing. It was all right, stay in the hotel. When you want to come and run a training session, come run the training session. And I don't think I've ever prepared more in my entire life than I did for those training sessions. Freddie evidently liked me. So when he came up, he hired me to be the goalkeeper coach for the Monarchs. I was there for two years. Um, I realized that my passion, I've realized twice in my life that my joy and my passion is more in youth soccer than it is in, um, uh, let's say, adult or amateur pro soccer. Um, I really like the development of youth players and I like the camaraderie of youth coaches. Um, anyway, I made a transition within Real Salt Lake to be part of their youth Academy foundation, which was intended to set up both a soccer program, uh, for the soccer community in, in Utah and, um, also develop, generate revenue to help pay for the Academy kids that were coming into the new facility in Harriman. I was there for about four months and I got a phone call from Martin Vasquez. Um, Freddie had said, Hey, why don't you call up again? Anyway, Martin hired me to be the goalkeeper coach for the Academy for the next year. In that time frame, I've had triplets and with all of the traveling and uh, the demands, the, the constant demands of the Academy system, it was not the right fit for my family or for me. And uh, it was wearing on me. And uh, I really like doing soccer because I enjoy it. And maybe it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it so much as it was just taking a toll. I remember flying in from LA and feeling like I had abandoned my wife and three newborn kids. And I said, I can't keep doing this to them. And I can't keep feeling this way. And I made the snap judgment. I'm done. I wrote out the rest of the season and uh, I started looking for other jobs and it led me back to Cache Valley. A couple reasons. I understand the soccer landscape up here and the potential. And then it's also where I want to raise my family. There's, there's out of all the places I've lived, not that it's ridiculous amount, but it's the best place that I, I can see raising a family. No, oh, no, Jeff, what, what, what kept you in soccer? What kept you in coaching? <laughs> That's a really great question. I honestly, I just, I love it. I, I've loved it from that. I, I can remember when I took my E license, I got this itch. And then when I took my D license with Rob Karras, who was also my last year college coach, but I was in this coaching course and he's teaching me about, I know it sounds funny 20 years later, but the dynamics of width, depth, and support. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, 
why haven't I, why, why don't I understand this already after 20 years of playing soccer? And then I went out and introduced it to the players and saw this change. And I think that the reason I'm in soccer is because you see this light bulb go on with individuals and groups and they just, they just blow up in excitement and ability. And there's nothing more rewarding than seeing people get something that you get and are passionate about. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. That's, it's a fantastic feeling and a fantastic point of view in terms of watching that, that, that player grow. Did you always, as you went through your career, did you realize that becoming a director of coaching was something that you wanted to do? You just needed the opportunity to do it? Or was it something that just kind of, you know, again, your career is so vast in terms of you've made almost every stop at, at every, you know, at every level. Is, is that something that you've always wanted to do? I was, when I was out in Iowa, my first year, we had success right away. We had, we had a good recruiting uh, class right out of the gate and the high school coaches in council bluffs, a couple of them reached out to me and said, Hey, how, where are you getting all these players? And, And mass majority of them were from Utah. Where, where, how come these Utah players are better than our local players? And the local community has improved, um, quite a bit, but, I said, well, do you guys have a club here? And they're like, no, we've, you know, we've tried doing these things and it doesn't really work. No one can really stick it out. And I said, well, if you guys want to, I'll be a DOC. I'll, I'll kind of take the heat on trying to figure it out. I was basically, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I just said, I'll be the guy. And you know what? I went down to a uh, U.S. youth soccer workshop and uh, I sat in a, in, in fact, it was a guy from Florida was introducing how to build an academy or develop an academy in your club. And again, I'm novice. I'm maybe 27 years old. Um, and I'm just being introduced to the structure of youth club and, you know, how it all works. It's not just about the team. It's about the structure and the development and all that stuff. And I sat in there and it was one of those other moments where I was like, this is so rad. Like, the ability to touch all these kids lives and their families. There was this spark in that meeting. And I couldn't tell you specifically what it was. Um, and then uh, I think in the process in that same time frame, there was an article um, in the U- the NSCA soccer journal mm-hmm. that was about, it was titled coaches wanted uh, must it's something along the lines of must have patience to be effective or something along those lines. And it, and it, it, that was the moment I clicked that I really am passionate about youth soccer was I, I like the process. I don't like the instant result. I like watching the kids and the families evolve over time. And that's, that's anyway, between that little year, I went from, all right, this coaching, the college thing's fun. I can really challenge myself tactically the kids have to come to practice. Yep. And then, uh, you know what? I started a club called Council Bluff Soccer Club, which now is – or sorry, Council Bluff Football Club, and now it's called Council Bluff Soccer Club. And uh, it's still going, and it's generating players and generating a culture. There's a tournament there. Kids are, kids are moving out of that community and playing college soccer, and the high schools are all having success. And those are the things that – you know, I kind of thrive on anyway. I liked it. And then uh, I, I wanted to do it in Utah. So I continued to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. Um, again, I, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but you and I actually crossed paths back during your time in Iowa. Um, not that we knew each other, um, but you were at William Penn. I was over at Iowa Wesleyan. Um, you guys throttled us at the time, by the way. Um, that's how their, their players were good, Eric. Um, they had a, a very good squad over there. Um, but again, um, what do you find the most rewarding part of coaching youth soccer? Huh. Uh, I think I've alluded to it a little bit in the sense of just when the players have another level of understanding. Yeah. You know, you kind of been working on maybe defensive shape or or some sort of combination player, some principle in the game. And then all of a sudden the player naturally just does it because it's part of their DNA. Now they, they understand it and you can see this, a light bulb go on them, this, this confidence. Yeah. 
um, where you, you brought that to them, you introduced it to them and then helped them work through it. And most importantly, created an uh, environment and were the facilitator for that kid to evolve and develop. Uh, I think that that's the most special thing is seeing kids get it. And I think this, this might kind of flow with a little bit, and I'm fascinated by this program. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, destina- the destination program you're directing? <laughs> Yeah, um, I actually had this idea, this concept when I was out in Iowa, and I never was able to implement it because when you're normally when you're a technical director of a youth club, you've got you're coaching five teams, you know, I'm exaggerating, but you're coaching one or two teams, and then you're also managing all the all the parents and all the coaches and so on and so forth. So you don't really have time to do what I think is the most overlooked and underappreciated part of our youth landscape or youth soccer landscape is the introductory phase and i'm going to stretch and say zero years old to um seven years old and when i say zero years old i'm talking about trying to educate parents on what they can do with their kids at home in regards to introducing the ball to them at their feet mm-hmm. And it's not like they're in a program or on a team or anything silly like that. They just, you know, how can you help the parents understand before they ever show up to an organized soccer activity? Can they be familiar with the ball and have a concept of understanding of the concept of the ball goes a direction and you can manipulate it and go different directions. Um, I've gotten to be a fan of um, Tom Beyer uh with the soccer starts at home program and so we we really ask our the parents in destination soccer to buy that book we we've looked into having that part of when they sign up they get the book um and to do that isolated training at home with the you know and be around their parents and teach the parents to be you know celebrate when they do things like a simple pullback instead of just kicking it hard, can they actually manipulate the ball to go where they want to go with the ball? Um, but destination soccer is it's, it's designed for the four to seven year olds at this point. And it is a program where we really don't put them in teams or groups. Uh, we have simple activities where every kid has a ball at their feet or at the most it's one V one. And it is just an hour of, so we start off the first 12 to 15 minutes. Uh, We call it arrival playtime where we want the parents to not just drop their kids off and bounce. We want them to show up and play with their kids for 12 to 15 minutes and get, get them acclimated, get them excited, get them, you know, comfortable because at that age kids need to feel like they're in a safe area, in a good area, and their parents are, are there to help them. Um, we do 12, 15 minutes where we, you know, we high five of them and say their names when they come in and all the fields are set up so they can go bang shots if they want to. Um, and then we have a simple activity where we try to keep them in a small confined area with somewhere between six and 12 kids in a, in a 20 by 15 box. And we introduce the six surfaces of the feet to them ask them to do it faster, but yet keep it control and keep it, we call it keeping it on the Island. Um, and, uh, we create imagine, you know, what's outside the Island, there's sharks. We don't want the sharks to get the ball. So keep it on the Island. And it becomes a theme for throughout everything we do. So when we go to one V one games, we explain to them, Hey, you got to keep the ball on the Island and they know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, we go from there and we actually go into a one V one activity with goals that are back to back where they have to change direction to score goals. So they can't just kick it hard and then chase it towards a goal. They actually have to manipulate the ball. Um, And then it's a lot of that kind of stuff where it's just a lot of individual touches and there's freedom. There's no one screaming, yelling. If they're, if they're yelling, it's because we're celebrating that they did something awesome. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's really an atmosphere where the players get to just, without any stress, at least coming from us as a staff, we put no pressure on the kids to be awesome, mm-hmm. especially the first phase. 
Um, we have a curriculum. It's a four-week curriculum. And uh, they come once a week. And if there's, we actually keep a Google Doc. So people sign up. And if there's a vacancy, the kid can come to another opening for no cost. So some kids come to like three sessions a week. And we have to tell the parents no, because we don't want them to burn out, right? Um, and then our game days are really unique. So we have, let's say that we have five of these uh, four and five-year-old sessions a week. They're one, year, one, one hour each. Well, that's almost 50 kids. Um, on Saturday, they show up and these 50 kids are all separated into six 2v2 fields. And it's actually from the, from the Belgian model of it. If you do a research on Belgian 2v2s, we took their idea and manipulated it a little bit where they, what they do is they have a very small area. They play 2v2 and one player can be a goalie and both players can attack. Um, so it teaches one of the players that they have to transition back there. They have more responsibility to transition to defend. We manipulated it because we didn't, we didn't think, and we think that we're still right about this, that because our kids don't touch the ball and aren't familiar with the ball, that they're not ready to do that yet. So what we've done is we've actually divided the field up into three areas. It's a nine-yard dual zone and then a six-yard goal zone. And we plant, and it kind of sounds funny, but uh, we plant one player from each team in the goal zone defending their goal. And then we plant one player that can attack in the dual zone and in the, and in the attacking goal zone. So they're, they're, they're final third, if you will, and they're middle, middle, middle of the field area, they're middle third. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the attacking player can go into two quadrants. Um, and in order to score, they have to dribble across the line into the goal zone before they can shoot. And so there is this precedence that you can't just kick it you have to problem solve you have to manipulate the ball and then the other beautiful part about it is we have a parent that sits on the sideline um, with anywhere from five to ten balls and another parent that kind of hovers around and chases the ball and instead of doing throw-ins or kick-ins or anything like that the second the ball goes out a new ball just pops into the dual zone again and they chase after it and start going at it again they do that for an hour and what happens is the two players play together for the full hour. But every three minutes they go from being, let's say they're the goalkeeper, to the player in the dual zone. And so they're playing three minutes on, three minutes off, three minutes on for a whole hour of one-on-ones. Yeah. And about the 45-minute mark, they're exhausted. Yeah. You know, But ultimately their touches are – they're no longer having to fight the, the swarm ball. Um, they know they no longer are asked the question, did you win? They're being asked, how did you do? Was it yeah. fun? And do you want to come back? You know, and our, our retention rate's been through the roof through this process. Um, the, other, the other benefit that we have with it is that we do it monthly. Mm-hmm. And the reason we do that, the first thought is that we're going to burn them out, right, if they come back every month. The real thought is that we want it to be available for them. And we want them to, we want them on average to do this three times a year because we want them to play basketball. We want them to do yeah. all the other fun things and not steal their childhood, just forcing them to play soccer only. Yeah. So the concept is if we always have it going, it's always there for when you want to do it instead of, well, it's fall season and spring season, and that's the only time you get to play soccer. Yeah. And yeah. what we're finding is the kids are – families want soccer year round they want the option yeah and and so two follow-up questions to that jeff is so one how did you come up with the curriculum did you sit down i mean obviously you don't have to get away all all how you did it but was it something that the idea is because a there seems like to be a lot of great soccer ideas within it in terms of like the island the shark like there's a lot of really good um youth soccer teaching moments with it but I think the methodology as well is intriguing in terms of your thought process with it and what you think and what you see the youth players develop uh, just even from the confidence level and the, and the ability to kind of grow into the game mentally as well. So, I mean, 
So first, how did you kind of come up with the curriculum? And then secondly, what do you go, what do you do going about educating coaches to do this program? Or is it just you that runs it? Do you find youth coaches that can do it? Uh, kind of where do you kind of get the staffing part of it? Or is it club coaches from, from, uh, you know, Northern Utah United, or is it, you know, how do you go about doing that? Great two-part question. The first one in, in regards to curriculum, um, I actually, when I first moved to Cache Valley in 2008, I got a group of girls. It was a 2000 boys and girls group. And I had just been, like I said, I'd just been doing that club thing. And I was introduced to that, how to build an academy. And I was introduced to a DVD from Sam Snow and USU soccer called uh, the novice coach. Um, and the DVD is actually designed to be like the mom or dad coach that doesn't know anything. Here's, here's an idea of what it looks like. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. Here's a 90 second video of what to do. Right. I ate that up because it was so simple and so easy for a, a mom or dad or a novice coach, or even me, because I'm used to coaching older kids. Right. Yep. So how do I coach? How do I coach the kids that need their shoelaces tied? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what to do with four to eight year olds. Anyway, between that and, you know, Corver methodology with, with their, um, with their small sided game activities, one V ones, two V twos, um, those type of things. Those are things that I've used over a course of 20 years of coaching. And I, and I've been able to test them and, when I put the curriculum together, it was based off things that I knew kids enjoyed and would get them excited about playing soccer and would also teach them to be prepared to play soccer at seven years old. So the curriculum <clears throat> kind of came through a lot of experimenting over 20 years yeah. and then retaining the results from those experiments. Um, and ultimately, the, the reason why I select the activities that we do is for them to enjoy soccer, not for them to become superstars. Because at this age, it's all about them loving soccer, loving the ball. So curriculum-wise, it just became trial and error over many years. And then finally having a platform to put it all together and select the activities that I think are best. In regards to who does the um, – originally, I did all of the training. Mm -hmm. Um I did everything because, it, again, it was kind of my baby. I'm like, I'm not letting anyone mess this up. Yeah. And I still have that mentality, but I'm learning to, to delegate and, and be confident with that a little bit more. Um, funny was the, the goal was always to find a parent to kind of men mentor them and kind of take over. And what happened was the first time that I did this, I actually had an ex-player of mine with a daughter in it. And her brother had a player in it as well. And I kind of just jumped on them and said, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do this. And they kind of jumped on it. They've been rock stars. And it evolved from, uh, I think we had 17 kids or 20 kids the first month that we did it. And now we have 79 kids signing that signed up for March um, that are coming coming and doing this. And so... What it's evolved into is this, is we have a hard time. Everybody, I'm, I'm the only professional coach in the Valley. Uh, there's a couple other ones uh, within another club. Um, but nobody that does it full time in the, in the entire Valley. Um, so we rely on parent coaches. Yeah. And what I've done, there's two parts to it. I'm big on coaching education. I'm also a grassroots and a de-licensed instructor. Um, and what I figured out was a lot of these volunteer coaches aren't doing the coaching education one, because they don't have a mentor pushing them to do it or it costs money or it costs time, whatever it may be. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is I've actually created a program where we as a club pay for their coaching education and in, in to pay us back we have now these grassroots and de-licensed coaches coming in and you know they're a little bit more experienced and running the sessions to pay back their coaching license expenses awesome. so now they kind of work together right you're building a platform you're developing coaches um and you're making it so these parent coaches aren't aren't out a few hundred dollars at the end of the day 
Um, and they and they enjoy it. To be quite honest with you, they they kind of dread it because they've never done it. And then they get in, they're mm-hmm. like, "This is awesome." Um, and again, the curriculum's designed so here's the activity, go do it, and it's really simple. Um, on the on the other side, it's the the other part is every month, every time that we do this, I send out a, a little survey and say, hey, if you think that you're going to coach your son or daughter in the future, or you might coach them, please reach out to me. Yeah. And I usually have one or two. So I've got about somewhere between eight and 12, depending on the month. And I basically say, hey, if you do this, we'll pay for your coaching education. So before your kid is ever on a team, you will already have experience. You'll have a mentor, a, a network of coaches that you've kind of grown up with, with a similar philosophy, and you'll have your licensing all out of the way. You'll be, you'll be three, four years ahead of what most coaches are when, when they usually get handed a bag of balls and cones. Yep. Um, so there's two ways, right? You're developing novice brand new coaches, and you're employing the current coaches to kind of remind them what it's really all about. Um, without overwhelming anybody, you know, so there's a balancing act and it's not perfect by any means, but we're getting there. We're, we're, we're improving all the time. Um, I think that, I think the other component about destination soccer, which I actually think is the most important part is my experience for kids that start soccer at seven, eight, nine years old is that their parents have no idea what they're getting themselves into. And the reason why we call it destination soccer is because we want the parents to understand the different pathways before they get on a team. And then they can identify this is the experience that I want for my soccer kid over the next three, five, 10 years and go and join other people with a similar desired outcome or desired experience. Um, because in my opinion, we do, we we're doing it all wrong by just gathering all the best athletes at eight years old. And then we have invested in all these athletes. And by the time that they get 12 years old, half of them go and play another sport or quit or whatever it is. And, uh, or they haven't been taught well because they've been relying on athleticism. Yep. And now the five or six kids that are really soccer kids don't have a support system. And they just are basically hung out to dry. So the end game is that I hope that this next year, probably a year from now, I can sit down with the parents that have been in this program for three years and go, here's the three options. This is a little bit more casual. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit more, you know, we play state soccer, but it's not like this is our life. And then here's my one to 10%, depending on who you talk to, of kids that just want to eat, breathe, sleep. Everything is soccer. Well, let's get all those kids, regardless of talent, all together, get them with a really good coach that's willing to put in that time, effort, and energy and see what we can grow from these really organic seeds that are actually interested in growing and challenging themselves to do all the things that are necessary. Perfect, Jeff. I've I've had the privilege of watching you, you know, do the destination program as it's hosted here for the most part at the RSL building. Um, you know, and I, I feel it, it kind of fulfills that first stage of development for players. Um, what are some of the other stages and how can coaches and parents help meet those needs? Uh, we're, we're really talking about the me, my mind stage in, in the, in destination. Um, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be correct at my terminology in here. I'm going to go off of getting terminology. <laughs> uh, I think the next stage is small group play. Mm-hmm. Meaning how do you work in, how do you work in combination play and how do you collectively defend? Um, so I think that we bypass the transitioning responsibilities. Um, and so I think that the next phase is more of a five V five environment where players are all committed to defending and attacking. Uh, there's also a 3v3 element that can be discussed in there as well. And then um, the next phase is training to train. Um, and I would say that that's between the ages of 11 and 14, where 
if you're an ambitious player, you should be going to practice for the purpose of, of developing your abilities and developing your soccer IQ. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's the training to compete stage, which I believe starts around 15 years old. And I don't think that we should, uh, people get this, people hear this, how they want to hear it. But to be clear, we always want to win. It's in our DNA as human beings to, oh, to win. And we shouldn't keep that. We shouldn't try to like, no, you don't want to win. That's not the message. It's that what we value more is you winning your individual battles, your group battles, executing what it is that you've been learning. So when you get to 15 years old, you can now put all that, you know, that five to 10 years of, uh, preparation you can enter your high school season or your club season and with with real ability to execute soccer um, principles with purpose in a collective 11 a group of 11 strategy instead of what we see right now is a handful of really good players that carry a bunch of players that support those players yeah and it's not it's not attractive to watch generally speaking obviously there's there's outliers um but the the goal would be now at 15 years old it's time to start winning games because you can execute a system you can execute a plan and the coaches can also make adjustments because they can read the game and understand um what the opposition's doing and, and how to recognize their strengths and weaknesses and combat them and, and uh, make those adjustments. Um, and then I think there's the final phase in regards to youth development. It's all still grassroots at this point is prepping college prep or pro prep. Are we doing as a, uh, from the coaching standpoint, are we helping the parents and players identify how to go to the right next step we always say uh we want to play at the next level well the next level is not the same for everybody and i really believe that we fail our youth because we don't educate our parents and our kids at 14 15 16 maybe even 13 for that matter Mm -hmm. um and tell them like all right here's the pathway coming ahead again Here's your decision time. Do you want to go down this pathway? Are you happy that high school is your pinnacle of soccer? Um, or do you want to explore what your options are? And especially for women, uh, but it's it's growing in men as well. There are thousands of options to play college soccer. Thousands of them. Yep. There's no reason for a kid that wants to play college soccer doesn't play college soccer. But for the most part, they don't because they're not exposed to any of those options. Junior college is a fantastic option Agreed. for the mass majority of our players. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Jeff, I, there's, so yeah. you, you touched on something really that intrigues me earlier, but I want to kind of get into it a little bit more. And it, and it is another two-part kind of question. So I loved what you said about the coaching education in terms of paying for your license, but then you do have to kind of go back and do the destination sessions. You have to work with youth, youth players. Um, and then you just touched on it now, the parent education. What are you, do, yeah. what are you doing as a DOC to, to kind of maybe promote uh, coaching education and parent education? Do you hold uh, parent meetings? Do you do, do you do things like that that kind of help them move in the same direction? Because you're absolutely right. I think a lot of them, you know, a lot of parents and, and even coaches, they don't, they don't know what they want at the end of it. Like you said, prepping them for college, prepping them for – those decisions that they've got to make, what are you doing as a DOC and what do you feel has worked uh, in regards to educational process? Who, um, you know what this, this whole pandemic thing has mm-hmm. forced me to go force us all to have a little bit different strategy. Um, but right now, in fact, Monday night, we had a Brad Sylvie from Illinois state university on with, on a zoom call with our coaches and he, I asked them five questions and basically leading them to things that I think our coaches need to hear 
to help their kids prepare to play college soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm kind of going towards that route now is I'm trying to reach out to other colleagues and kind of give these platforms for them to educate my coaches um, and eventually want to do that with the parents. And so it's been a good, it's been a good evolution um, we, that way. We, I think that we've overlooked that opportunity. It's not hard to get a D one coach on. They, they like talking. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, like telling themselves about themselves. It's <laughs> yeah, like the rest yeah, of us. Yeah. And then, and then like um, you said, the downtimes there in terms of being able to, uh, to really share ideas. Exactly. So there's that process, but really, um, uh, to be quite honest and quite fair, and and maybe this is unpopular opinion by some, I can't expect to change the culture of parents and players of kids that are already in the system beyond 10, 11, 12 years old. They've already gone down. They've already made their decision on what they expect the experience to be. And we don't have the coaches or the environment to like, all right, we're all just going to change now. We're going to completely, I'm relying on parent coaches still, you know, and to their credit, uh, there's, there's not, there's not, uh, we, we talk poorly about parent coaches and it, again, it has a, has a negative connotation from the coaching world. The reality is that we would not be able to survive without parent coaches in this country where I would like to change the mindset is um, is the parent coaches, the reason why the parent coaches aren't as successful as full-time coaches is because they're not full-time coaches, not because they're not capable of being advocates invested, you know, all the time that it just requires a lot of time to coach soccer, to coach a team, you, you know, to develop a lesson plan, you're talking about sitting down for 90 minutes, and if you're running three sessions, two sessions a week, where's that 90 minutes coming from? You know, when you have a family and, and life. So when I say parent coaches, I admire them, I respect them, but time and energy and other responsibilities limit them. Um, I don't know if I went off course from what you're asking. No, no that was um, – But full circle, my strategy right now is – I have an audience with these destination kids from four to seven years old when they're being introduced and every start of it, I go to all of the parents and I, I do about a, the first, to be quite honest with you, the first session, I talk to the parents almost the whole time while their kids are playing with whoever's running the session. And I tell them kind of my backstory, why I do it. And you know, the impression of, all right, this guy used to coach pro soccer and now he's coaching my four-year-old kid. There's an impact there. They, they perk up and it's a luxury, a, a lucky luxury I have to be able to be like, yeah, I used to do this and now I'm coaching your four-year-old yeah. at the introductory stages. <laughs> and they, they kind of, for whatever reason, they were, they are like, okay, this is weird, but we'll, we'll go with it. And uh, I basically throw up on them about my philosophy, how the program yeah. came to be, and I start, I start embedding it. And then we have a, it's not a group me, but it's, it's similar app where I send almost on a daily basis, an article for parent education mm-hmm. or a video, some, a, a tweet a, a quote or whatever it is. Like and it's just this constant embedding like to these parents and some of them mute it, which is fine. But I have 70 people right now that every day hear from yep. me. And sometimes it's a one sentence thing. Sometimes it's a, a five minute read. Yeah. Um, awesome. And then I think it's also just, I've got a good group of coaches that have built a good rapport with the parents and the parents are acknowledging the environment that we've created in regards to people. You'll be, you'll be shocked on this. The parents are so excited not to have to go to games <laughs> and deal with this, this beehive thing that they are accustomed to doing. And listen to parents scream and yell nonsense. Uh-huh. Parents are really stoked that their kids are just in this little bubble of challenge. But there's a comfort in that challenge. Like they're 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 being challenged, but they're not in a like no one's screaming at them, right? They're just being challenged because to be quite honest with you, the longer you're in soccer, the more you'll understand this. Soccer is 
difficult. It's hard. And the more you know and the better you become, the more difficult it becomes. It doesn't become easier. It becomes harder. And so watching these parents kind of being like, oh, this is kind of cool that my kid scores 20 goals on Saturday morning, gets scored on 15 times, and they go home exhausted with a smile on their face and wanting to come back. They're, and, of course, there's others that just they are not prepared for it, so it doesn't work. But for the mass majority, they come back excited for it. Parents are excited for it. So I think part so, of it yeah. is being re- it's a refreshing feeling for these parents that they're not part of what they did when they were a kid. It's actually evolved after 20 years. Perfect. Yes. And so as we, as we finish up here with a couple more questions, just want to kind of touch on it here a little bit, you know, um, how coaches can improve player development. You know, part of that aspect is getting the parents on board and, and, and having them know what the outcomes and the understanding and the expectations are from there. And not only while they're at training, while they're at the game, you know, but what they can be doing at home, what are some, uh, what's some other ways coaches can improve player develop development uh, pretty quickly here? Um, U.S. Soccer is really pushing this initiative to do individual development player plans. And in fact, I just introduced that to some of our coaches this weekend. Some other coaches, some of the more advanced coaches have been doing it for a little while. Um, but we, myself included, because the team is the most important thing to us, because that's how we can um, see, like we can, we can evaluate success, right? Whether they're doing well or not we always say they, and we've neglected to understand that there, there, there's a bunch of individual kids out there. And what I think that the U S soccer is trying to do with the IDP concept is can the coach find a way to build rapport with the players and the parents. So it's not just a, you know, for 90 minutes, twice a week training, it's how was your, how was your um, maybe some they're in the they're in a play right? How's your play going? How's recital? How was opening yeah. night? You know the kids that play multiple sports that play basketball. How cool is it when your soccer coach, who's a soccer junkie, goes and say, "Hey, how's your basketball game? Yeah. Tell me about your basketball game, right?" But we don't take the time. Uh, I think it's getting better, but I don't think we take the time to really get to know the kids as people. We get to we basically use them as part of our team. And they're just, they're the right back. They're the kid that can either run fast or not run fast or can dribble or can pass well. Um, And so I think that it's investing in the individual a little bit more and helping them with goal setting and lifestyle changes that will help them improve in regards to introducing them to the value of sleeping properly, eating properly, getting their academics done, you know, in a timely manner. Um. I, I think it's just being a little bit more attentive to the individual. And then in regards to the parents, um, and they're the unsung heroes of this whole thing. It, they make so many sacrifices. Um, I think that the best thing, and maybe I'm echoing myself or repeating myself, the best thing for the parents, in my opinion, is to feel like their coach has their kids' best interests in mind and they know what experience it is that they want for their kid. And their coach is doing everything in their power to provide that experience. Um, so I think that it's, I keep saying it, um, getting the right kids on, on the bus and getting the wrong kids off the bus. And for that matter, the, the parents, the same, the same, we got to get coaches that can get like-minded people. So, there's a support system for them to have success. So it's not so it's not such a broad range of desired experiences. And so I really think that where we where we get it wrong is we don't have families with the same goals or expectations of their soccer experience lumped together on teams. And eventually it's the downfall of players really playing soccer for for a long time and reaching their goals, whether they're low goals or high goals or in-between goals. Um, I really do think the coach has to do a better job of not just identifying talent, but identifying ambition. 
and parents willing to make sacrifices to reach whatever ambition it is. You know, you have players on a team that want to go to seven tournaments a year because they want college exposure. Um, and then you have, you know, five players that don't want to do that at all, but they get dragged along because those people are the ones that do want to do it are, are screaming. And then you have the middle group that kind of just goes with the flow. Whoever, whoever says what, you know, they go with whatever go happens. How cool would it be if you could find 18 players that all wanted to go to seven tournaments a year or 18 players that only want to go to their local tournament every year? Much easier to navigate the individual if everyone on the bus has the same destination in mind. Now, Jeff, I'll finish up. I'll finish up with my last question uh, as we kind of finish up here. And you obviously you've, you've had an array of experience. You've been around this game quite a long time. What attributes are do some of the successful coaches carry when co- coaching youth? I mean, I don't want to just say youth coaches, but obviously that's something that we're talking about. Like, what what are some of the keys? Is it the enthusiasm in coaching? Is it the the detail? Is it what key attributes do you find when when you're looking for for coaches to be successful at that level? What have you found that works for you? What what are those what are those attributes when you're implementing, especially a, a program like Destination? Um, I think that the biggest attribute any coach at any level can have is authenticity. Um, I don't coach the same way as you guys coach. I don't have the same personality. Um, you know, you look at someone like Jose Mourinho, you can love her, love him or hate him, but you know what you're going to get from him. You know, um, you know that the best coaches in the world, in my opinion, are the guys that you can, you can, you can describe who they are without saying their names and they go, Oh, that's Pep. Right. So for me at any level, it's about authenticity. Don't try to be someone you're not. I'm not a raw, raw cheer, cheer guy. Like I despise what I call softball cheers. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, I cannot stand those. And, but you know what? It works for other people and it works for other teams and that's who they are. It's not me. You won't see my teams do the, the you know, yeah, I don't even know yeah, what they yeah, are. Yeah. I don't even know. I know. We know what you're talking about. I think everybody knows. <laughs> uh, it just, it doesn't, it, it's, to me, it's not an important part of the game. Um, I, I also call it the volleyball point. Every time anything happens in volleyball, there's some weird <laughs> cheer that happens, yeah. whether they got scored or not. It, it doesn't resonate with me. So why would I do that? You know? why would I enforce something that's not, I, I don't think is valuable or, or is not me authentically me. Um, now if the kids go ahead and do it, I'm not going to hold them back. That's them being authentic. Um, so my first thing would, would be authentic. Um, the other one would be confident and humble at the same time. You have to have a level of confident because you're prepared and you're experienced, but um, I, I reference a quote that I, I heard or read from Alex Ferguson when I first started coaching. He said, I know 1% of soccer today. And I knew 1% of soccer yesterday because every day it evolves so fast, I can't learn anymore. And so I'm sitting here at a young coach and I'm going, well, I must know 0.0000000001% of coaching if the best coach at the time, arguably, is saying he only knows one percent of soccer it 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 humbled me really quick to be going you know what i i just have to constantly be learning and and reevaluating. so the next one i would say is um the ability to reflect honestly and then make adjustments for you to be better at helping players and yourself grow so if I was to repeat it, it's authenticity. Um, it's the reflection process. And then it's confident humility. Those are probably my three biggest things. You'll notice that I didn't say that it's about soccer IQ or understanding, you know, all the technical jargon. Those are all great things. And they're all, they're all layers of being a coach. But when it comes right down to it, anybody can coach this sport if they invest in it and they're humble about where they're at in it. And uh, I, that's why I really believe that you can 
take a mom or dad coach and turn them into a top level coach if that's what they want to do. And you can inspire them to do it because every, every person can inspire a different group of kids with their personalities. Perfect. Appreciate that again. Um, I think uh, all of us listening as coaches, that's, those are some good points that you made there. Um, as we finish up here, going to give you the opportunity. Do you have uh, any ways that our listeners can follow you or keep up to date with uh, what's going on with you and the club? Um, for Destination Soccer, we we are basically on Instagram with uh, Destination Soccer NUU. Um, we're also on a Facebook page with the same thing, but it's more of a place where that's where I throw information out to the parents and kind of, uh, you know, document players playing. Um, for myself, I'm on Twitter at Coach J Ginn, G-I-N-N. Um, I... We used to be on Twitter a whole bunch, and then um, I've kind of laid off on that in the recent years. I do follow it, but I, I don't I don't write on it very often. Um, but those are the two um, formats. I do get the DMs if someone DMs me on on Twitter and wants to know more about destination soccer. We do have the concept of you know going to other clubs one day and introducing that program. So if someone wants to do it, I'm more than happy. I'll talk about it all day long with you and navigate yeah. you through it. But those would be the two best is if you want to get me directly, Coach Jay Ginn, and if you want to learn about Destination Soccer and have a, have a little bit of peek into it, Destination Soccer, NUU. Perfect. Again, appreciate your time today. Happy that you were able to make it on here and uh, escape the uh, the family for a little bit. <laughs> I'm doing quarantine and uh, – and uh, look forward to talking to you, some, to you some more. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for what you guys are doing. It's an, it's an element in our, in our soccer world right now that coaches are really um, getting a lot of value of these conversations. I listen to podcasts every day and, and learn something every day. It's great that you guys are doing this. So thank you for having yeah, me on. I really can't thank you enough. And I look forward to the day that you start your own podcast. <laughs> I want. I want to. I want to Thanks, man. It's, it's easy. If Ed and I can do it, we can. Anybody, it's possible. So I look forward to it. But like I said, Ed, uh, like Ed said, I really appreciate the time. I learned a lot. He knows that I take notes throughout <laughs> throughout the podcast. Uh, just learning from everybody. Uh, hope your family continues to stay uh, healthy and safe. And uh, look forward to catching up sometime soon. Appreciate you guys. Our weekly show is brought to you by Athletics View. Whether it's soccer, football, basketball, and many other sports, you have a memory to share. Let us help you share that game or match through film via our video production. For more information, visit athleticsview.com, spelled V-U-E, or follow them on Instagram or subscribe to their YouTube channel. All right, back here with Ballside Goalside. Just finished up with uh, Coach Jeff Ginn of Northern Utah United, and uh, he's the director of coaching up here. Um, had a good talk there about his uh, destination soccer program and the stages of development. I uh, found it pretty intriguing. I'm, I'm fortunate, Eric. I get to see it firsthand. Um, so, you know, I could visualize some of the stuff he was talking about there. And, and um, you know, I, I really enjoy watching the programming. I hope you were able to kind of take some points away from it as well uh, on your end. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so tough because you obviously want to get so much um, information in one uh, in one episode. But obviously, just getting the the overall picture of what he's doing—it's such a fantastic um, uh, program. And on top of him running a club, so I mean, it's just such a it's such a cool aspect. And and like I said, the way that he's developed this curriculum is—it just seems like such a such a cool way that he's kind of incorporated all of his experiences at the college level, the pro level, the club level. Um, and he really does have a vast variety of experience in the game. So it's such a, it's, you know, such an intriguing way to put it all together. Um, I know I took a lot of notes in terms of getting a lot from him. I really appreciated the way he kind of broke down the stages in which, uh, you know, players develop. Um, but like I said, the way he, the way he runs destination soccer and, and the ideas and the, and the drills and the, and the concepts behind it are so fascinating just from the, like I mentioned in the episode while we interviewed him was not only is it soccer relative in terms of, it's a really cool way of teaching the kids soccer, 
but it's such a cool way of getting their like soccer mentality going as well right. in terms of, of really growing that mental side of the game. So I think, you know, it sounds like Jeff's doing a great job. I could have talked to him forever in terms of, you know, um, just, you know, kind of getting different ideas from him. But yeah. I mean, it, it seems like he's, he's created such a good, you know, foundation of how to, how to, you know, conduct coaching education, parent education, yeah. how to develop the youth players within destination, um, and then on top of that, you and I both, you know, you and I both always appreciate coaches that are this way. It's like he really has a passion for it, right. you know, and I think that's that's what, you know, that's what really draws uh, draws us to him. And, and obviously, you know, wish him continued success with Destination and, and Northern Utah United. And uh, and I thought it was a I thought it was a great informative talk and, and I really appreciated all his insight. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing that I think stuck out, sticks out to me the most with Coach Ginn is that he is passionate. He loves what he does, you know, and, and he's, he's hum- humble enough to know that his passion lies with the youth development. And, you know, like you said, he's been at the college level, he's been at the pro level, but he finds home and developing the youth. And, and, you know, as you and I, as college coaches, we can't thank those coaches enough as we kind of talked about in the intro is that, you know, that's, that's the mm-hmm. important part of that development stage. So um, yeah, it was good to have Gen on, um, you know, uh, as he said, you can go back and listen and follow the destination soccer program. Uh, if you kind of need some visual ideas as to what they do, um, you know, gladly reach out to him and he'll, he'll communicate with you or send you over some videos. So um, yeah, it was a great discussion. Uh, good to have him on. I look forward to our next discussion. Uh, we're going to talk with Natalie Norris. She's the uh, dietitian and nutritionist for Utah state athletics. Uh, she's a former all American soccer player at Utah state university and uh, look forward to getting her insights on how we as coaches can better prepare our uh, athletes through proper nutrition.